Alright guys, welcome to episode 6. In this podcast I interview Jessica Worth who is a nutritionist on the Northern Beaches and we basically talk about all things women and hormones and basically how hormones can affect I guess your general health um, and also how your cycles, so like your period cycles can affect your general health and what you're eating um, can impact how you feel, um, especially on your period. Um, so this was a really interesting podcast for me. I learned quite a lot. So hopefully you guys learn a lot too. Um, and I just want to say a big thank you for to Jess for coming in and doing that podcast with me. Um, and also just note guys that um, we are not doctors, um, although Jess is a nutritionist, please consult your doctor before making any changes to your lifestyle um, or you can consult her as well um, and get in contact with her. I'll leave all her details in the podcast and episode notes. All right, enjoy guys. Bye. Welcome to the Strong Girls Talk podcast, ladies. We're here to talk all things fitness, mindset and health practical to the women we train. My name's Ellie and along with my sister Georgia and cousin Kayla, our mission is to help empower you to be stronger and fitter, not only physically but mentally as well, ready for all that life throws at you. As coaches of our own gym providing functional fitness for women, we not only coach our clients on how to do deadlifts, squats or pull-ups, We want to help you on your journey of self-confidence and body love. So if you're looking to improve your life with awesome breakthroughs, advice on nutrition, training and mindset specifically for women, you've come to the right place. Let's go. Alright guys, welcome. I am here today with Jess Worth who is a nutritionist and who's going to be taking us through a few different aspects of nutrition and um, Jess specifies in women's health. I yes, guess. I do. Hi, everybody. Which is very exciting. Um, so I guess on, you know, uh, um, we have like a field of interest. Um, yes. We're both interested in helping women feel and um, be better. So um, yeah, I guess uh, I'd just love to hear Jess what a little bit about your story and what you do and I guess why you do it. Yeah, sure. So firstly, thanks for having me. No worries. Um, so my story is um, hopefully not like everybody else. But <laughs> So I was trying to make my way up through the corporate ladder when I was younger um, and really noticed that my health started to decline. So um, I was really tired. My periods were off. I was starting to gain weight and I had always been really fit throughout high school. So to me, this was something completely new. Um, And I just wasn't eating right. You know, I had to be on the bus at 7am in the morning and I wasn't getting home till 7pm at night. So it was just really long days and I just felt crap essentially. Um, So I decided to prioritise my health. Um, And that's when I looked into just what nutrition did for the body because I felt like it was something I didn't really learn at school. Um, I don't know if you felt the same, but going through school, we were taught how to make cakes and muffins. (laughs) We weren't really taught like... After year nine, um, we weren't really taught, you know, what a vegetable does for the body and mm-hmm. what protein is and all that kind of stuff. So is there a specific moment um, as you were going through that corporate ladder where you realised, like, okay, like, I really need to do something for myself and, like, I'm not going to be able to continue on the way the that way. I'm going? Yeah. yeah, it was probably... So I had decided to do just um still working full-time but like just a certificate you know six months of learning nutrition 
um, right before I actually had a full-on, I call it a full-on meltdown, probably mm-hmm. people don't call it that, but I just, I didn't fit any of my clothes, I was crying constantly because my hormones were just all over the shop. I hadn't had a period for six months and then all of a sudden it came back, but my skin was really bad, so it was kind of this culmination where I just started crying every afternoon and was like, I can't do this anymore, something has to change. And I was like, well, obviously there's an interest in nutrition to begin with to heal myself. I'm sure there's a lot of other women out there like that who mm-hmm. are sitting in this, this same position as me. So, yeah, that's why I started studying and why I love working with women now. Okay, cool. And how long was that period from where you decided that you were going to do something about it to, I guess, like where you are now um, and helping women kind of go through, who are going through that same process as you and, and helping them get to, I guess, how you feel now, which I guess is pretty good. <laughs> yeah, so it was four years of study. Mm-hmm. Um, and in that time, you know, I, I still to this day use myself as a guinea pig. Mm. Um, so I'm always trialing new things when new research comes out. And probably after the four years, I was about halfway to feeling better. And then over the last, I've been qualified now for nearly four years. Mm-hmm. After the, Over the last four years, I've just been tweaking as I go and yeah, obviously, like anyone, I'm human, so I do have moments where it's just off the wall terrible, and then I just I rein it back in. So that's what nutrition is about to me. It's all about balance. It shouldn't be this hard and fast way of doing things. It should be what fits with your lifestyle. Yeah, okay, cool. Um, and I suppose what were, like, do you have any tangible or even necessary benefits that you can kind of describe to everyone that you felt? like after you made that change to a healthy diet and yep. I'm guessing the the hormone changes that you had obviously uh you either treat nutrition or use supplements or something to, to fix that but that yep. like, can you tell so, us a little bit about that yeah so I um obviously getting my hormones back in check was a big thing for me so mm. getting my period back and regular um was huge because that I didn't understand why it disappeared at the time, but then... So getting, do you know now? <laughs> yeah. It was a real stressful period for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd lost a lot of weight, which I think we'll get into later probably yeah. about how weight affects your hormones as well. Um, I'd lost a lot of weight, so I'd lost it for six months. The doctor didn't know why. All they wanted me to do was just to go on the pill. Mm-hmm. Um, my skin was breaking out, so I cleared up my skin. I lost the weight that I'd gained. I'd probably gained about 10 kilos, so mm-hmm. none of my clothes fit, which was really um, – I think that was the one that probably I found the hardest to deal with. Mm-hmm. Um, when none of your clothes fit, you just feel crap, really. Mm. You know, you've gone from being this person, and it wasn't an overnight kind of gradual weight gain, and it wasn't an overnight gradual weight loss. It probably took me about – two years to get back to a, a level that I feel like my body can sustain. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. Um, and I guess the other question would be what really interests you specifically about women's health? Like why are you so passionate about that? One, we are women. So yeah. we, know, we know how our bodies <laughs> work. Yeah. <laughs> we know how they work and how they function. Um, you know, I've just talked about, I've gone through it. Mm-hmm. I know how people feel and what they're going through and how it can be one week, it can be great, and one week it can be crap. And sometimes you just really need someone to support you through that. Mm-hmm. But I also just find our bodies fascinating. Like, yeah. our hormones are so much more intense compared to what the guys go through, you know. Our mm-hmm. monthly fluctuations are like a roller coaster. I just find that fascinating. Yeah, and so I guess um, if you look at the hormones that we have, 
because they're more intense, um, how does nutrition, and it's, it's maybe a broad speaking statement, but how does nutrition impact the hormones specifically? Is it because like what you eat will trigger different hormones or is that like the general gist of it or is it a Hormones are actually made from the things that we eat. Okay, cool. So, so they're it either comes from protein mm-hmm. or from fats essentially. So mm-hmm. it's a steroid base or it's a protein base. A steroid base? Yeah, so like cholesterol right, okay. is a type of lipid that – so yeah. in nutrition um, we don't just talk about fat as in the stuff that you guys can see or like feel. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot more other things. So there's phospholipids, there's sterols, which is like cholesterol. There's not like a steroid. No. That's not what – yeah, okay, sorry. I was, I was like, a steroid, that's interesting. I haven't heard that before. No, so it's different. sterol. Yeah. Sorry, sorry. That was, <laughs> that was my mistake. That was my mistake. Um, okay, cool. So you have different types of um, fats, which uh, I guess we consume, mm-hmm. um, and maybe we'll just talk about that uh, for a quick second because most people, well, not most people, but there had been a general consensus in the scientific literature that fat yes. was very, very bad for you, um, which is, I guess... That was demonised. Yes, it was. sugar was fine. <laughs> and um, I suppose now that's starting to unravel very quickly as we see... Uh, obviously, our fat consumption in society has declined uh, significantly, but we still are having a rise in all these health and lifestyle-related yeah. problems. Um, so, yeah, do you want to maybe talk a little bit about that? And like, I know so many women that will always say to me, like, oh, I just can't eat fat. Like, I just, it's been really ingrained into yeah. into people that like the it's fat a generational thing. Yeah. yeah, the fat that you eat equals the body fat that you see exactly. which isn't necessarily true correct yeah um so yeah maybe you can just tell us a little bit about that um so i can finally like tell people <laughs> <laughs> i think it's it's definitely a generational thing i mm. think it was in the 80s because my mum is like ingrained in this oh, yeah. i have to have light milk i'm like no yes. you know that support your body but i can't change her my mum doesn't listen to me at all um so fat when we talk about fat i talk about it as healthy fat so avocado olive oil, coconut oil, the fats that you get from nuts and seeds, um, the fats that you get from oily fish like salmon and mackerel and sardines, all these kind of fats are really good for the body because what nutrition is um, is not just about the food that you eat but it's also how your body utilises the nutrients in those foods. So in fact, what we're actually doing is breaking them down to support and make our hormones. So your body will always choose glucose as its energy source first um, before it will start utilising the fat. So you need to stop thinking about fat as the thing that's going to make you fat and you actually need to be thinking of excess carbohydrates and processed sugars particularly is the thing that's going to be screwing with your hormones. Like, for example, let's talk about sugar because to me sugar is, um, and I think that it's really starting to come out now, processed sugar. Mm-hmm. Um, when I talk about sugar, I'm talking about processed sugar, is the thing that's really bad. That's the, I'm not even going to call it a nutrient, um, but the thing that is leading to the to the weight gain. So if you look, let's take um, a cereal as an example. If you look at the back of a cereal packet, because a lot of people do eat cereal still because it's easy, you know, it's, you just grab it, pour it out of a box, add some milk and I'm done. And also the industry has such a huge stronghold on people. Exactly. I mean, um, for example, I, I pretty much eat what I have 
for dinner the, the night before. So whatever me and my partner cook, like I'll have, have that and that's what I'll have for breakfast. Yeah. And people have a really hard time dealing with that. It's like, what do you mean? Like, yeah. it's not like a conventional breakfast. But for me, that was like, as soon as I realized the only reason that we have a cereal and breakfast industry is because these industries created an industry out of it. Exactly. Like, why Why would I have they to... They threw heaps of money at marketing mm-hmm. and we all went, oh, we're meant to have cereal Like, why would I... Why would I need to have cereal for It's just not... But it's just so conventional, it's so ingrained in people that that's just mm-hmm. what you do, that yeah. anything that deviates from that is really confusing. Exactly. Um, and especially when you grow up with it, I think, like, anything that you grow up with seeing as normal, like, you're more likely to take to and, and exactly. just accept. Yeah. Um, but I think it's a good question, like, why like why couldn't you eat, you know, vegetables and steak for breakfast? It doesn't. Exactly. Or fish or whatever you want it. Like. Exactly. I don't eat a steak for breakfast. <laughs> um, I'm still, I'm, like, literally the person that grew up on cereal so mm-hmm. for me to switch my mind it's been a really long process um but I don't have cereal for breakfast either so I usually will cook like a couple of eggs and maybe have a bit of sourdough with the avocado something like that I love smoothies mm-hmm. um maybe it's the cold thing I'm not sure or um now that we're coming into cold I do have a little bit of porridge but I'll always add some form of fat or some form of protein to it so that I'm getting a balanced meal and it controls my blood sugar as well. Mm-hmm. So with the problem with um, someone having cereal is, I guess, there's not necessarily any balance in the nutrition in, in that meal. It's so refined. That's the hardest mm-hmm. part. So um, what they do is they essentially, if it's a wheat-based thing, they'll have to mill it. So to mill it, they actually break down all of the nutrients in it. And then they have to cook it, which kind of wipes out the nutrients some more. But then they realize that there's nothing left in it. So then they add it back in. So, example, Nutrigrain is pushed as the Iron Man food. But if you actually look at the ingredients on the back, there's a whole heap of sugar in it. Um, and then they add back in, you know, all of the B vitamins and all of that kind of stuff that, you know, has come out in the milling process. They've got to add it back in so that they can get that health star rating. How does it get a health star rating? Do you know, there was some research. (laughs) It's so frustrating. I always tell people to ignore, ignore the marketing mumbo jumbo, but basically they get their health star rating because they don't take sugar into account. So all of the companies that pay to get the health star rating decided that they didn't want to lose their rating by admitting that they had sugar in their product. So sugar's not included. So they basically lobbied, because isn't it a government program? Uh Yeah. So the big sugar basically lobbied the government to not count sugar as something that they put as in their protein. As a nutrient in it, yeah. Yeah, right. So they don't look at the sugar content. So you could have, so they can pump in all these vitamins and minerals. Mm-hmm. So they can bump and up their hair star rating, as, yeah. But they don't. Ha- but they can put as much sugar as they want in it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, scary, huh? Yeah, that's really sad. I <laughs> know. <laughs> so people that think they might be making the right choice by picking up a four star, four exactly. out of five star nutrient, but actually, um, I think let's discuss now, like what kind of impact does eating that sugar actually have on the body? So like most people know, or hopefully most people kind of get now, sugar is becoming or becoming more widely known as a problem. Yeah. Like what is it about sugar that when people eat it, like it causes that kind of havoc in the body? So let's talk about it in terms of hormones. So for women, Mm -hmm. as I mentioned before, we've got hormones that fluctuate throughout our cycle. So we've got estrogen and progesterone, Mm -hmm. as well as we actually do make a little bit of testosterone. 
plus we have luteinizing hormone and follicle stimulating hormone. So there's five hormones that are actually involved in just our monthly cycle. Mm -hmm. And all of those need to be um, essentially going rising and falling like a roller coaster, rising and falling in flow so that by the end of the month, your progesterone, which is the one that goes, let's make it all cushy and amazing for a baby, arrives, your cervix gets all soft and lovely. And then if obviously an egg isn't there, that's when we get our monthly period. So sugar comes in there and goes, no, I'm not happy with this. And it interrupts the estrogen conversion to progesterone. And so you're not making any progesterone. So your estrogen kind of just keeps increasing thinking, well, I'm not making estrogen, I'm sorry, progesterone. So let's make a little bit more estrogen and then see if that works. And then each month, if you're eating tons of chocolate or, um, processed sugars or you know cakes and lollies and all that kind of stuff you're basically interrupting that little so sugar conversion. cuts off pro progesterone production yes. essentially tells estrogen yeah. that to make more estrogen or just the body goes okay so <coughs> we're not making any progesterone we actually need to make progesterone to have a healthy yeah. cycle because as women, <laughs> we're designed to have babies, um, so that's what we need to do. So estrogen increases mm -hmm. because it goes, okay, we don't have enough progesterone. And what is the problem with excess amounts of estrogen in your body? What kind of problems does that cause for women? That's where we get a little bit emotional. <laughs> and so you want causes, more chocolate? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so it's, it's, essentially it does. It's cyclical. So mm. almost, like our period is a monthly thing, so every month we cycle through this. But if we're not we're eating the right foods, we just continue that cycle. So a more common kind of look for women who are a little bit estrogen dominant tend to have a little bit, um, you know, the pear shape versus the apple mm -hmm. shape. So women who are a bit more estrogen dominant tend to be a little bit more pear. So we put on weight around our buttocks and thighs mm -hmm. easily compared to other women. Mm -hmm. And so I read somewhere, though, that they were saying um, if you have that, like, very hourglass figure, it's quite, it means it's quite good for your health or something. Correct, yeah. That, but that's not pear. Is that different? Hourglass is good. Pear, to a certain extent, is good. Right. So if you have too many fat cells, mm -hmm. particularly around that area, um, is an estrogen thing, but too many fat cells in general, mm -hmm. our, so we call them adipose tissue, so those cells produce its own little estrogen as well. Right. So the more body fat you have, the more estrogen, estrogen, sorry, estrogen you yeah. produce. Correct. Yeah. Which then in turn keeps producing more and more. Exactly. Which... And sorry, the and so then you're going to have this high amount of estrogen in the system and mm -hmm. a really low amount of progesterone, which obviously reduces your fertility. Correct. Right? Yep. Yeah, and it leads to things like PMS. Mm -hmm. um, you know, if you're crying the week before your period, something's going on. If you've got lots of clots, um, you know, breast tenderness, all of those kind of things. So breast tenderness is a sign of something in the cycle not quite yeah. correct. It's one of the PMS symptoms. Yeah. So right. it could so be swelling. Um, being highly emotional, mm. <laughs> um, breast tenderness, pain, all that kind of stuff. So would you say that PMS is not necessarily something that we're meant to have? It's just as it, so PMS is literally just a byproduct of nutrition gone wrong. Correct, yeah. You're kidding me. No. So oh, if you've got PMS God. symptoms, you should be just looking at your diet a little bit nutritionally. 
And so then look at your detox pathways. So nutrition comes into it with your detox pathways Okay, as so well. just explain detox pathways quickly because yep. I so, know detox is like a big word for everyone. And oh, it's like, such a buzzword and I hate the way that it's thrown yeah. and bantied around. But to me it's actually um, just the way that your liver, your bowel and your kidneys are functioning together. Right, okay. So can you go on a detox diet and get rid of, like you know how people do like lemon water diet. Oh, don't like, even get me started. Can we <laughs> Um, I guess like set the record straight for everyone so this is a nutritionist talking guys so yeah. if you're doing a body detox diet this is what she has to say your body detoxes every single day that's what your liver is designed to do so your liver is essentially and your kidneys are essentially your blood filters so every single day it's not going to go oh hey this week we're doing a detox so we're going to work particularly hard it's more that what you're doing is actually just focusing on the foods that you're putting into your diet in that one particular week that supports the actual movements right. of those organs. But some people, so if they do like a lemon water diet for the week, that's not particularly beneficial or they have found no, some, yeah. That's so not you're that. better off just eating really well. Correct. Like yep. Lots of fruits and veggies, nuts and seeds, yep. uh, good fats and good source of protein rather than just drinking water and... Like, I think like people do shake diets and stuff, oh, like crap like that. The juice detoxes and all that kind of <laughs> stuff. So there's actually two phases in the liver. It's called phase one and phase two. Mm-hmm. It's actually phase three, but let's talk one and two. <laughs> Don't worry about that. Yeah. In phase two, it's actually protein. So you need mm-hmm. protein in your diet for your liver to be able to go through all of the functions in that phase two of um, detoxification. So phase one is basically... Um, breaking down, enzymes breaking down all of the nutrients and um, making it so that the body can then excrete it. Phase two is then um, all about packaging it so that it can then be sent out of the body. Yeah, okay, cool. So um, so you're talking about, um, I guess, like how PMS, like we're not meant to have really any symptoms. So it's a, um, a product of our nutrition and it's a sign that your body's not able to detoxify what's going on with our hormone cycle well enough um, because of our nutrition. Is that right? Yeah, so you've got it basically basically right. So um, our hormones are, when they're produced and they're used and they're kind of like a, like a cell, it mm-hmm. will come to the end of its life cycle mm-hmm. and it needs to be excreted out and anything in excess needs to be excreted out. And so that is done through the bowel and through the kidneys. Mm-hmm. So if you've got a slow bowel, for example, um, I know a lot of women, because we tend to be a little bit more anxious, can be a little bit more constipated. If that's sitting in there, what your large intestine is actually doing is doing the last of your absorption mm-hmm. and it's taking all of those um, hormones back out and it has to then go through the liver again. But the liver is already producing more hormones and filtering the blood more. So you've got what it's producing plus what it's recycling back into it. And so that's how it can kind of compound. Yeah, so you need everything to be moving yeah. through you, through your, like through your cycles so that yes. you, know, you can detox detoxify everything yeah excrete it you want to get it out (laughs) out. because when I was um when I was younger I literally only went to toilet like once a week (laughs) um which was obviously that's not uncommon yeah well I well my all my friends were like what the hell that's not normal like um and I remember going to like a gastrologist and they just said eat more fiber they didn't they couldn't they didn't really 
do anything about it. Yeah. So I probably should have gone to a nutritionist, really, who would have said yeah. this to me, more, more likely. Yes. Um, which would have made a lot more sense. But um, it wasn't until I started eating a bit more paleo that things started moving a lot better, which was and now I don't have any problems. But yeah. yeah, that was it's really interesting that when you started when I started focusing on the nutrition, mm-hmm. it actually all it works, guys, it works. <laughs> it totally does. Um, I had a couple of weeks ago was just I was just really busy and mm. so I didn't have time to really focus on what I was eating. It was like what can I prepare in ten minutes or less because I just don't have time right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really felt just a bit bit average but the minute that I refocused back on my nutrition because I do you know I've had digestive issues so my bowel can play up on me and the minute I focused back on my nutrition it was like like clockwork Mm. every day I know what time I'm gonna go all that kind of stuff and that's you know we should all be taking notice of these signs you know are you tracking Mm. your period and what kind of symptoms that you have are you tracking your I'm not talking about writing this down unless you need to, but, you know, are you tracking your bowel movements? Mm. Are you going every day or are you sitting there going, far out, when was the last time I went to the toilet mm. kind of thing? I, mean, I think it is hard to notice trend or when you're in a trend that maybe is a little bit negative, it's hard to kind of pick up on it because it's just what it is. Like yeah. you don't have any other reference point because it's like no one else's track record's out for you to see or – you know, the, um, I guess the, like in, even if you're in like a fitness community, it's not necessarily, um, all out there for everyone to know about. So for example, if you go to the gym every day and you work out every day, you're with a group of like-minded people who, you know, train as well. It's pretty easy to know like what the standard is in that kind of bubble because, you know, you see it every day. But if you weren't yeah. going to a gym every day and you spend the day on the couch, like, that's what you think is your normal because that's what everyone around you and that's what your community's doing. But mm-hmm. I suppose it's hard to know like what, you know, really people are, what's happening with women's periods or what's happening with your bowel movements and yeah. stuff like that because it's just there's no kind of information out there. No. We just, there's no reference point. But we don't talk about it, you no. know. Every single woman reaches a certain age where she then starts getting her monthly bleed essentially but it's so taboo we just don't talk about time Mm. I I get that they're gross but we need to kind of um if you're unsure of something ask a friend what's your monthly period like like we all get them I don't know Mm. why it's something that we're embarrassed about it is interesting that people think it's um you know gross is uh, I I kind of always remember Dad's story of um like the birth of me, but he just said it was a really interesting thing because you know there he was like there was blood or something it's like a murder scene and then they like <laughs> yeah. quickly clean it all up and they prop my knee up with the baby and you know uh, clean everything and yeah. then all of a sudden all the relatives walk in and it's beautiful and nice and so serene and he's he was <laughs> shocked because. You know, there was just a massacre in there yeah, like a few exactly. minutes ago. Like, what happened? But um, I guess, obviously, that's not what we want to show the relatives. So you mask it all up. Um, but I think it is important, um, especially with if you are looking to, I guess, conceive. and mm-hmm. um, But also be healthy. Like, I guess your period is, like, a really good track of how your, yeah. how your general health is going, um, especially with things like if you have really bad PMS like, we just accept it as something that we're meant to have. But, you know, if, like, that's amazing if you're not actually meant to have it. Mm-hmm. Like, if you could control that with nutrition, how crazy is that? I think it's amazing. Yeah. I, like, I just think, I guess, um, I, 
it's kind of like one of those things, like you say, we don't really talk about it. So people just kind of put up with this thing, but it's not, you can feel amazing. Like mm. you still have the gross blood at the end of the month, but uh, in the lead up to let's that. Say it's just natural, you know, it's just a idea of society. I think that's been passed down for many generations and like a patriarchal society that yeah. says that's gross but it's not really it's just you and it's just what happens it's like, a totally natural thing mm. like we all have bodily fluids yeah exactly and you know there's nothing wrong with what that, that happens no, like it's meant exactly. to happen exactly i think it's amazing that uh we just accept that that's like pms for example it's just something that's in it's like oh it's just every month it is what yeah. it is like i can't do anything about it but like, I literally didn't know that, that you could control it with a healthy diet. I had mm-hmm. no idea. Yeah. And because everything changes from month to month. So mm. one month, you know, you might have a little bit of symptoms and then the next month you could be fine. Like, it's it really does come down to what you've been eating. Right. So what are some of the things, I guess, that are important to think about in your nutrition? Maybe, like, we can do some of the things that you want to be eating and then some of the things you really want to try and avoid. Like, yep. obviously, it's different for everyone because everyone, you know, might react to different foods differently, yes. um, especially if you have, like, intolerances or allergies or something like that. But I guess maybe what are three key things that we need to do? Let's start with that. What are three key things we need to avoid um, in our diets to, I guess, help our hormones act in the right way? Yeah. Um I'm going to take the one thing off everyone that they'll be like, no, but alcohol <laughs> is the one yeah. thing that just, it really does nothing for us. Red wine has a little saving grace in that it has reversitrol in it, which helps with heart health, but anything in excess. But would you say that the, uh, the like counterbalance of what of the negative side effects is probably not worth the heart Look, health Look, one glass occasionally here or there, <laughs> that is fine. But I know personally from ex- self-experience is that I tend to, you know, not just have the standard size one glass that they serve you in a restaurant either. You know, mm-hmm. it'll be, I'm pouring it home kind of glass. So you fill it to the top because you can. One glass, yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> just one glass. Um, and we're all like that. But alcohol, it just it offers nothing nutritionally. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is actually in terms of, even though it's not considered a macro, it actually provides the most energy out of protein, carbs, and fat. So it's yeah. um, really energy dense, which is why people who t- tend to drink a lot also have a lot of weight issues. So it screws with your hormone and it makes you increase your mm-hmm. <laughs> your calorie intake by a lot. It does, yeah. And especially for those that, you know, go out and have a big night on the weekend mm-hmm. and then it's 2 a.m. in the morning and I'll oh, we'll just go swing past the kebab shop and we'll get a pizza or we'll get a kebab. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I know now that I'm over 30, I do not recover well after no. more than a few drinks. So it's not just you know, wake up and one day, the next day, oh, I'll just have a bit of greasy food. It's like for the next week, I feel like crap. Yeah, I think as well, um, one of my coaches was telling me that um, it also decreases our testosterone level a lot, which is really bad for training guys. So, (laughs) Well, testosterone is involved in lean muscle mass. Yeah. So if you've got, you've been training your ass off in the gym, Mm -hmm. 
you're trying to make this lean muscle, you need testosterone to do it. Yeah. But when you drink alcohol, it actually stops the production of testosterone. Yep. So you're not going to so get swollen. No, you're not exactly. <laughs> you're not going to make this lean muscle mass. And testosterone is also the thing that keeps the engine running. So think mm. of your thyroid. You know, yeah. Thyroid's like the engine of the body. It's the thing that's going to keep things moving. That's why men. God, they're so lucky. They have so much <laughs> testosterone that they can just, for a lot of them, they can eat whatever they want, but they still seem to be able to maintain a certain mm. level of fitness and muscle mass. Yeah. But for women, it just goes the other way. Yeah. So they, even if they like bump their testosterone down a little bit, their testosterone level still is at a level where they can keep lean muscle us. mass. Yeah. And yeah. Whereas because we just have way less. Mm-hmm. Like we'll bump it under that crucial level to keep us, to keep our body moving in the right direction, especially the thyroid functioning optimally, yes. and goes down to heal from there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, joys of woo. <laughs> so alcohol, yeah. you know, if you're if you're particularly <laughs> suffering um, with your hormones, you really need to just get your alcohol in check and take it out for a while. Mm. I've gone months without drinking and felt amazing for it. Mm-hmm. It's only because it's in Australia, it's quite socially acceptable. It's like, oh, let's go to the pub and have a drink kind of thing. So um, take, uh, taking alcohol out, taking out all of your processed crap. Like you need yep. to be honest with yourself. If you've got stuff going on, Start writing down what you've eaten for the day and it can be a real slap in the face Mm -hmm. because people go, oh, I'll just have this and I'll just have that. But if you look at it on a week, like say a food diary for a week, I can generally go through some of my clients and go, okay, if this is your goal, you shouldn't have eaten this day, this, this, this. And I can highlight something on every single day that hasn't helped them achieve their goal, Mm -hmm. particularly for the weight loss. Yeah, because it all kind of adds up and like over the week as well. Exactly. Yeah, I was listening to another podcast that was saying, um, it's kind of sad as well, but like even one cheat meal can kind of counteract an entire week of like eating well. So like if you if you need like a like a two thousand or maybe three to four thousand calorie deficit over the whole week to yeah. say so your goal is like one or two kilos a week, you know if you go and crazy splurge and like go binge drinking and do all that like you could easily clock up like three to four thousand calories and then yeah. just totally counteracts you know what you've done for the whole week which is yeah. crazy I do believe in like if you you know in not rewarding yourself because I hate saying it like rewarding yeah. yourself but I think that everything in balance and moderation yeah is like fine. you need to live as well we totally get it exactly like, you know, what's um, the point in life if you're just sitting there eating like things that you don't enjoy and stuff like that. Like, yes, okay, go and enjoy it. So I don't think one meal is going to throw off everything that you've been working really hard to achieve unless you go absolutely crazy like Mm. a kid at a party and, like you say, you just, you know, you drink, you just binge drink like a crazy person and then you go and eat really crappy food for the next 24 to 48 hours. Of course that's going to throw everything off, yeah. Yeah, so I think... um, so you said alcohol, uh, obviously processed food. Yes. So I guess anything from a package or um, that mm-hmm. isn't in its natural state. Correct. Yeah. So I always say <coughs> that fresh is best. Yeah. So always try and eat seasonally where you can. Um, organic if you can afford it. Mm-hmm. If you can't, that's fine as well. Try and pick grass fed or pasture fed is another way of saying it. Pasture fed meats. Um, so lean proteins, healthy fats such as 
fish, avocado, olive oil, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So if you're eating a really um, balanced diet with fresh foods, essentially you're crowding out all the rest of the crap. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. And I suppose the last big no-no would be sugar. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, I don't know. Sugar's just terrible. It really is. It <laughs> Sugar just, is just awful. Yeah. It just... What they sent found, actually, was that um, this research came out, I think, in the 50s before the low-fat movement. So mm-hmm. one scientist wanted um, people to eat low-fat, and so he was trying to prove that low-fat was the way to do it, and one was trying to prove that sugar was the way to do it. One always has more funding, depending on where it's coming from, and, of course, it was um, the sugar industry that was feeding into the fat thing because it was all of their sugar byproducts that were going into his products to give it taste. Mm. And so that's what low fat is. Low fat is you're stripping out all of the fat, but to add flavour back in, you need to add sugar. <laughs> yeah. So I suppose, like, there's a something to be said for, like, hidden sugars. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a lot of uh, people will take, like, the yoghurt or something and think that they're you know, getting a pretty nutritious dairy snack or um, even in certain cereals, um, even in, like, dried fruit and stuff like that, Um, you know, fruit juices. Like, there's a lot of, like, concentrated sugar in these these products, like sauces and, Mm -hmm. I don't know, there's – I think it was – I don't know, like 90% of supermarket uh, products have added sugar in it, for mm-hmm. example. So it's like yep. <laughs> like 10% of things in the supermarket that you can choose from which don't have sugar in it. Yes. Um, so how do people figure out like what they're buying that doesn't have that added sugar? Look, everything is gonna, that comes in a packet is going to have added sugar. It's just unfortunately <laughs> <Straight> the <laughs> reality of the situation. I guess um, anything in a packet don't get. <laughs> and that's not realistic. That's the thing. So a little bit is okay. The World Health Organization says you can have six six teaspoons, I think it is. Six um, to ten, I think. Per, of added sugar per day. Yeah. Um, so if you're eating fresh for the rest of the whole day, and that includes fruit, fruit is not the demon here. You need mm-hmm. to be eating fruit as well as your veggies, and then say you have, I'm trying to think of an example, you cook something for the kids like that's got um, like vermicelli, so rice noodles in it as a rice noodle base kind of thing, that kind of sugar is okay. It's the the really heavy sugar, like if you eat a chocolate bar or something like that. Sure, have one once a week, but don't have one every day. Mm. If you have one every day, guess what? You're going to be an absolute mess of a person. <laughs> Your hormones are going to be ridiculous. And so Your liver's going to be under pressure. <laughs> so how do you, um, I guess, track this kind of stuff with your clients? Like uh, how do you find out what their hormones are like and how do you kind of um, – talk them through being able to help, I guess, uh, normalise their, their hormones. Obviously, everyone's going to have different yeah. levels and stuff like that, and that's fine. But, um, yeah, just give me, like, a typical um, kind of consult that you would take someone through, I guess. Yeah, so it, it always starts with an initial consult, and mm-hmm. what we do is ask them why 
they need my help? Like, what mm-hmm. are they hoping to achieve? So, what are their like symptoms or exactly. you know, what, yeah, what do they yeah. want to get out of it? So, what are they currently eating and drinking? Mm-hmm. Um, and then we go through the different systems of the body. So, there's the gastrointestinal system, there's a renal system, there's the digestive, which we've talked about, the digestive mm-hmm. system, there's the hormonal system. So, it's in nutrition, we go through all these dis- different symptoms and I ask lots of different questions. And depending on how they answer is how deep I dive into it because mm-hmm. it's, I'm looking for all sorts of different things and the whole the whole body um, packages it up. And so you then kind of work out what's going on. I do often send people for blood tests as well. Mm-hmm. Um, hormonally, you can do a full hormonal profile. Um I always ask them to track their period, especially because a lot of women don't know what's going on. You should be tracking your period long before you're even thinking about Mm -hmm. kids. So what would, um, I guess, a good cycle, was it different for everyone or it should be pretty much the same for everyone? It's different for everyone. So anywhere between 21 and 28 days Mm -hmm. is is what your cycle should be. Mm -hmm. But if you're experiencing pain or if it's coming... um, you know, one week early this month and then two weeks late next month, that's something that's wrong. If you've got clots, clots aren't really meant to be there. Um, if you've got really heavy flow for the first few days that you need to change um, a pad or a super tampon or a cup, whatever you're using as your um, sanitary product, changing that every couple of hours or if you've got overflow within a couple of hours, Something's going on there. You shouldn't be, it shouldn't be that heavy. And is it always to do with nutrition or is it sometimes not? It's not always to do with nutrition. Mm-hmm. There could be other things going on, but you can support them nutritionally as alongside their doctor depending mm-hmm. on what's going on. Yeah, I guess at the end of the day, pretty much everything that goes on in the body, like as nutrition should be like the foundation. Yes. Like there's always going to be something stemming from that, even if it's a little bit exactly yeah yeah okay cool um and what would you tell someone who's thinking about seeking nutritional help so maybe they've heard this podcast and they think shit I have really bad PMS (laughs) or you know um my period is definitely really messed up (laughs) what um or uh you know I think my hormones out of whack what would you like suggest to them as um something that they um should be doing I think the first first and foremost is start tracking things. Yep. So the one way that you can, I guess, self-check your hormone levels is to just track your period, track it for a few months, mm-hmm. see what's going down. Write down what kind of symptoms you're having, you know. Are you feeling ovulation pain at the midway point or are you just experiencing PMS pain in the few days before? What kind of flow was it like? Um, are you having clots or does your skin break out or that kind of stuff? Um, mm-hmm. Then the second one would be um, go speak to your doctor, mm-hmm. have some blood tests, tell them what you've been feeling because if you don't do that and then you're just looking with a nutritionist, more than likely we're going to send you back to the doctor for a blood test anyway. Right. So it's good to have kind of that base and always ask for copies of your blood tests. So why do you guys send them back to the doctor? Generally, because it's covered. I don't know if I should say this. Generally, because it's covered by Medicare. Right. So if okay. I can send someone for blood tests and get it covered by Medicare, but they have to pay for it if I send them direct. Mm-hmm. If they go to the doctor and it's a genuine health concern, not just a, mm-hmm. I just feel like having things checked. The doctor can send you for your blood tests under Medicare. So it's just about, um, I guess, 
covering all bases. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, it's good to know what's going on inside as well as what we talk about externally because sometimes people aren't picking up their signals. Yeah, yeah. Um, the other thing I would say is it's, I guess it's the exact same for you, you know, if you're paying a nutritionist, do the work that they set out for you. It's like yeah. someone booking a one-on-one with you and then coming and going, I don't feel like doing the work today. Can you do the workout and I'll just sit here? I'm going to be like, yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I'm just kidding. I go, I've had a few clients where I'm like, okay, have you done this? And they're like, no, not yet, not yet, not yet. And so for me, I'm like, I can't help you unless you do the work that you put yeah, in. Yeah, you know? it is like a really hard predicament to be in when I guess someone has asked for your help and they're paying for your help and then you give them everything laid out and you yeah. say, if you do A, B and C, you will, risk, like, you will get what you want. Exactly. And they just, you know, for whatever reason, don't do it. You know, maybe there's some motivational factors. Maybe there's some really bad habit patterns that are in there. You know, it could be a, we could do a whole lot of podcast on it, but yeah, um, <laughs> it's honestly above and more. <laughs> yeah, but I, uh, the it's like going to the physio or anything. Like the most important thing you do isn't when you're that hour with them. It's what you do when exactly. you're you're not with them. And um, I guess the whole point is to be able to give you guys the tools. And I was going to yeah. say, the nutritionist is the person that gives you the tools to do these things, but you're the person that actually needs to do it for yourself. Yeah, Nutrition is definitely a long-term game. It's not a short-term thing. So you can't, you know, I would be a millionaire if I could come up with some kind of magic pill because that's what everybody wants. They yeah. just, you know, they want this overnight reward and it mm-hmm. just doesn't happen like that. Yeah, and I think anything worth having is really worth, you know, learning and spending time on. I mean, um, that's the same here, like with, with our fitness and uh, training. Obviously, like you're not going to be able to do a pull-up overnight and you're not going to be able to lift, you know, you know a, a body weight clean or, you know, body weight back exactly. squat the first time you do it. Um, but there's something really rewarding in, you know, being able to put the time and effort into achieving that goal and if you can achieve something like not having PMS or being able to conceive naturally or whatever it is through nutrition like it's probably you know something that is really worth your while yeah a hundred percent like I'm sure do you take photos of your clients if you do any challenges or anything and so they that you can look back a year or six months or something like that and go look at how much your body's actually changed. Yeah, we do things like um we'll take a photo of the or video of them doing like a squat. Yeah. And then six months later be like, Okay, this is you doing it six months later and they can see the how difference. much they progress. Yeah, how much they progress, yeah. And it's always for me as well as a coach, it's always the one the people that are consistent and uh you know have a long-term game and goal in in sight and you know it, it really goes by fast that time that you think like oh year's gonna take like forever like, June. <laughs> yeah like it goes by so quickly and it's always the, the funnest part is always turning around and seeing someone just realizing like shit you lost like 10 kilos and yeah you, know, you look amazing and you you're so much fitter now. yeah and yeah. Look how much you can lift and look how um, strong you are and fast you are and they're always, it's always the much more rewarding ones and I always find the people that maybe lose it really fast uh, for example weight lose weight really fast yeah they always end up putting it back on at some point um, which is quite interesting because I just don't think they've changed that you know lifestyle no exactly yeah and it needs to be something that you know change takes place over time you can't change everything in one sitting mm. and stick to that like yeah we're, just, we're humans we can't do that we are such creatures of habit mm-hmm. 
that if I was to say to someone, okay, here's a hundred different things that you should be doing, change them now, someone would just fall over if that was what yeah. they were given. Yeah, it just takes time to be able to implement each different change on exactly. top of the other. So yeah. <laughs> say you know that uh, every day you're eating that chocolate bar or whatever, don't worry about anything else. Are you like, oh, well, I also need to like get cereal out of my diet in the morning. I also need mm-hmm. to, you know, stop drinking that wine at night or whatever it is that you're doing. Just focus on that one thing exactly. for a couple of weeks. Get that habit under control so you and don't then need move that. On to the next. And then you can tackle the cereal. Once you've yeah. done that, then you can tackle the wine. Um, and just remember it's about that. It's a real long-term game. It's not like that short-term goal that you're trying to achieve because, um, you know, it's like the, what's the saying, um, you're giving up the short-term game for the long-term. Yeah. Like you can't kind of have both. So, yeah, you just want to make sure that you're constantly progressing over time and you'll get there. Exactly. Couldn't have said it better myself. Beautiful. All right, Jess. Well, if anyone needs to find you or wants to do some work with you, what's where can they find you? What's your Facebook, Instagram, website, all that jazz? I'm really technical, so <laughs> uh, my website is just jessicaworth.com and then you can find me on Facebook or Insta at jessicaworthnutrition. Very easy. Yeah. Um, well, thanks so much for um, coming in. Like, I really enjoyed talking to you and I think, you know, for the thing that blew me out of the water was that PMS isn't really a thing because the other thing was I was thinking um, on my period tracker app, it tells you, it's like, have you had PMS? Like, really? Yeah, yeah. But it's not telling you that that's actually not a symptom you should be having. Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, so I was like, oh, yeah. Um, so, yeah, that was really interesting. Oh, good. I'm glad. All right. Well, if anybody else has any questions, let me know, and then maybe we can do, like, a follow-up or yeah, something like that. Yeah, sounds good. So um, I'll organise that. Um, you guys can post your questions um, on Facebook or Insta when this episode is up, and we'll try and do a follow-up um, and answer some of those questions then. Awesome. Thank awesome. you. Awesome. Thanks so much, Jess. And bye. Bye. Well, that's it for today, ladies. Thank you so much for listening. If you want more of our incredible value-packed content, you can find us through these three names, at Tone, at AllGPT, and at Kayla Lee Physio on Instagram. And guys, we would love it if you could please give us a five-star rating on iTunes or whichever podcast app you're using. And also leave a positive comment in the comment section. If you have any friends or family that would also love our podcast, we'd appreciate very much the recommendation. Until next time, girls, stay strong.